0: and this is our prayer this evening may your words change our lives as we open our hearts to receive them In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So, welcome again, everyone. We are in the study of the book of the Acts of Apostles. And we started in January. And this is the eighth month. Today, we will be going into um, part 30. Part 30 already. So, we celebrate every teacher who has come ahead to take us through such amazing, deep teaching. And um, I want to talk a bit about last week. You know, um, we started from chapter fifteen last week, and Pastor Nina took us through a lot. This week, we'll be doing part thirty, like I said earlier, and we'll be taking from chapter fifteen to from chapter fifteen, verse twenty two to verse twenty one. So please join me as we read, verse twenty two. Then the apostles and the elders together with the whole church resolved to select men from among their number and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, both leading men among the brethren, and sent them. With them they sent the following letter. The brethren, both the apostles and the elders, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, Greetings. As we have heard that some persons from our number have disturbed you with their teaching, unsettling your minds and throwing you into confusion, although we give them no express orders or instructions on the points in question, it has been resolved by us in assembly to select men and send them as messengers to you and with our beloved Barnabas and Paul men who have hazarded their lives for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will bring you the same message by the word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to lay upon you any greater burden than these indispensable requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from tasting blood and from eating the meat of animals that have been strangled, and from sexual impurity. If you keep yourselves from these things, you will do well. Farewell, be strong. So, when the messengers were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having assembled the congregation, they delivered the letter. Verse 31. And when they read it, the people rejoiced at the consolation and encouragement it brought them. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, inspired interpreters of the will and purposes of God, urged and warned and consoled and encouraged the brethren with many words and strengthened them. And after spending some time there, they went back by the brethren They went back by the brethren with the greeting, peace to those who had sent them. However, Silas decided to stay on there. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch and with many others also continued teaching and proclaiming the good news. The word of the Lord concerning the attainment through Christ of eternal salvation in God's kingdom. 36. And after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, come, let us go back And again, visit and help and minister to the brethren in every town where we made known the message of the Lord and see how they are getting along. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark, his near relative. But Paul did not think it best to have along with them the one who had quit and deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. And they followed a sharp disagreement between them, so that they separated from each other. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul selected Silas and set out, being commended by the brethren to the grace, the favor, and mercy of the Lord. And he passed through Syria and Cilicia, establishing and strengthening the churches. May the Lord bless the reading and the understanding of his word in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, verse 22 talks about how, I'm just going to take it again. It says, Then the apostles and the elders, together with the whole church, resolved to, send, set, resolved to select men from among their number and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, both leading men among the brethren, and sent them. You know, so as Pastor Nina taught us last week, some Judeans you know, were set to disrupt the newfound salvation peace that the Gentiles were basking in. I mean, the Gentiles, Paul and Barnabas had preached the gospel. These Gentiles had received it. They were happy. They were rejoicing in this salvation. And then suddenly these Judeans came along. Verse 1 of chapter 15 says, Their peace was disturbed, however, when certain Judeans came with this teaching. Unless you are circumcised according to Mosaic custom, you cannot be saved. Says who? Who says that you need extra work to become a Christian? Just a bunch of people that decided that... You know, like Pastor Nina shared last week, these Greeks, they're very, very intelligent people. Let's, they need to pay extra price for this salvation. So I want us to look around and see the kind of people that you're currently doing life with. You know, are there people that feel and believe that you're not deserving of that promotion? They feel that that breakthrough, that grace, you're not deserving of it. They'll rather see you in pain. meanwhile this salvation is free. When God chooses to promote one, he chooses. It is God's choice. It's not by works. It is just what God chooses to do. Yet there are people that will say they would rather see you in pain. They would rather see that eh, you paid for it. So that, or they want to see you struggle so that you can come and ask them for help and make them feel a sense of relevance. Because really that's what the Judeans were saying you people need to be circumcised you need to go through some form of pain so that we know that this salvation and uh-huh, hey you guys also worked for it and at the same time they added their own salvation requirement unless you are circumcised according to the mosaic custom you cannot be saved says who when the bible tells us in romans chapter 10 verse 9 Romans 10.9 says, because if you acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and in your heart believe, adhere to, trust in, and rely on the truth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So salvation story is complete by the sacrifice on the cross. There is no other sacrifice that is required for us to be saved. So again, now we see another town hall meeting taking place because of the message of the salvation to the gentiles. If we recall in Acts 11 verses 2 to 3, Acts 11:2 to 3, there was this group of Jewish believers also known as the circumcision party that you know went up and challenged Peter. Let's read Acts 11:2 to 3. It says, "When Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party, certain Jewish Christians, found fault with him, separating themselves from him in a hostile spirit, opposing and disputing and contending with him, saying, why did you go to uncircumcised men and even eat with them? They were hostile towards him, like these people are not deserving of salvation. They need to work for it. They need to be deserving of it. But you know, like Pastor Nina said, before they lose their salvation from the pain of circumcision, definitely they had to send well-respected men of God to the rescue. And they sent a letter. I'd like to read that letter in the voice translation. It says, The brotherhood, including the apostles and elders in Jerusalem, sent greetings to the outsider believers in Antioch Syria and Cilicia we have heard that certain people from among us without authorization from us have said things that in turn upset you and unsettle your minds we have decided unanimously to choose and send two representatives along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul who as you know have risked their lives for our Lord Jesus the anointed These representatives, Judas and Silas, will confirm verbally what you will read in this letter. It has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to keep you free from all burdens except these four. Abstain from anything sacrificed to idols, from blood, from food killed by strangling, and from sexual immorality. Avoid these things and you will be just fine. Farewell. Praise the Lord. And that was it. So I want us to look at this letter in five parts. I just divided it into five. Part one is who wrote the letter and to whom the letter was addressed. Part two, what we heard. That is what the apostles heard. Part three, who are we sending? Part four, the message they delivered. And part five, the Gentiles' reaction. So let's dig in. Part one, who wrote the letter and to whom... The letter was addressed. Verse 23 says, The brotherhood, including the apostles and elders in Jerusalem, sent greetings to the outsider believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. That's the voice translation. Amplified Classic says, With them they sent the following letter. The brethren, both the apostles and the elders, to the brethren who are are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. And the NLT version says, this is the letter they took with them. This letter is from the apostles and elders, your brothers in Jerusalem. It is written to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. So now, the fact that a group of people could disrupt the salvation of another group of people, it was very important that they are clear as to whose authority these people are operating on and who has the higher authority. Because if they had enough influence to cause an unsettled atmosphere because of what they believed and truly they made an impact with what they believed because the impact was so much that Paul and Barnabas had to go back to headquarters and say, look oh, this thing, there's there's fire on the mountain and that's why when they were addressing the letter they were very very clear as to who they were addressing it to they addressed it to the brotherhood the brethren the brothers <coughs> sorry who wrote the letter was the brotherhood the brethren the brothers that's the Jews and Gentiles now the apostles and the elders and they wrote it to the brethren well of the gentiles in antioch and syria and cilicia let's not be confused We are the ones writing the letters. We are the apostles and we are the elders of the church. And we are dealing with this issue decisively based on the authority that Christ has given to us. And you know, this letter is for everyone. They they were very clear in it because they knew that today in God's very house, thousands of years later, we will be reading this letter and understanding why they actually had to write this letter. So they made it clear from the HQ that, This, we are the ones that God originally gave, that Jesus gave this mandate to go and preach the gospel. Go. He didn't say, oh, choose only the Jews. He said everyone. So because he gave us that direct mandate, we are the respected people. We are the elders of the church and we are writing to you. They needed to make that clear distinction. As to why they were the ones writing so that when the gentiles read this letter they will not be confused and say oh who should we believe they clearly would know that these ones have a higher authority and so we should believe them part two what they heard then they started the letter by saying what they had heard so that there's no confusion We have heard that certain people from among us without authorization from us have said things that in turn upset you and unsettle your minds. That's the voice translation. The Amplified Classic says, As we have heard that some persons from our number have disturbed you with their teaching unsettling your minds and throwing you into confusion. Although we gave them no express orders or instruction on the points in question. So here... (coughs) We see that the apostles are not denying what has happened. They're saying, we have heard. Even though these people, they're among us, they're supposed to be believers, we did not authorize them. We did not authorize them to add to the gospel. Our call around one, we didn't send them. We didn't send them, they just decided on their own that this salvation, let us add to it. We know the people that we sent, and we know the message that we sent them with. Paul and Barnabas, we prayed and we commissioned them out. These are the people that we sent. These other ones, they're just running their own show and causing confusion. You know, and it's interesting because how can they even conceive in their hearts that your salvation story is incomplete? It's not incomplete. Because, you know, as Pastor Joyce put it some Thrive sessions ago, she said, the ABC of salvation accept, believe, and confess. That's all. There's no circumcision in it. Accept, believe, and confess. So, as believers, we need to be careful of the content that we consume in the name of trying to grow spiritually. Let the Bible be the anchor you base your belief on because the thief really is out there to steal, to kill. And destroy the joy of our salvation. But they will fail in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I absolutely love what Paul writes later on to the Galatians. It's a bit of a read. But when I saw it, I was like, yes. We all need to hear this again. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 to 12 says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I Paul tell you this, if you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. Don't even try and do half. Just do all at once. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You're falling away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from, from, I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever it is that has been confusing you. Amen. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision will mutilate themselves. Amen. And the church of God says, Amen. This Paul eh? Is just an interesting fellow. Very, very interesting fellow. I just wish these troublemakers that are so adamant on mutilating you will mutilate themselves. Because, you know, like Pastor Nina said last week, it's just a subtle ploy to cut them off from the grace that Christ has already offered. Because verse 4 says, for if you're trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you're being cut off from Christ. They have been cut off, and that was what they were aiming for. They they were just determined, like, these people, you need to work for this salvation. But Jesus Christ has already paid the full price for us. Our salvation story is complete on the cross in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Yes, we celebrate Jesus. We celebrate Jesus. Part three, who are we sending? Verse 25 says, it has been resolved by us in assembly to select men and send them as messengers to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men who have hazarded their lives for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have sent Judas and Silas who themselves will bring you the same message by word of mouth. That's the Amplified Classic Version. rather. Verse 25 in the voice says, we have decided unanimously to choose and send two representatives. And the NLT says, so we have decided, having come to complete agreement from the HQ to send you official representatives. We're sending you official representatives so that they can bring comfort to the Gentiles and assure them that the Judeans have no mantle of authority to propagate false doctrine. They have no mantle of authority whatsoever. Yes, they are believers, but they have added to the salvation story. But we are saying that we are sending you unanimously two representatives, people, men of authority, men that are filled with the Holy Spirit that are going to bear this letter to you and tell you exactly what you need to do. So they introduce them very well. They introduce them so that there's no ambiguity when the letter is read. No ambiguity whatsoever. And they explained who they were. Men who have hazarded their lives for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in addition, we're sending you people that you're familiar with, Paul and Barnabas. They're the ones who brought the gospel to you. We're sending them along so that when you see them, you are comfortable in the presence of these other people that you probably haven't even met before. And they come bearing comforting news. You don't need to undergo any pain to become saved. Your salvation is complete in Christ Jesus. Amen. So part four, we see the message they delivered. I would read from a couple of versions. Okay. Um, okay. I'll read from the Amplified Classic. It says, For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, Not to lay upon you any greater burden than these indispensable requirements. Indispensable requirements. That you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from tasting blood and from eating the meat of animals that have been strangled and from sexual impurity. If you keep yourselves from these things, you will do well. Farewell. Be strong. The voice says it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to keep you free. To keep you what? Free from all burdens except these four. So we see that whereas the Judeans sought to complicate their lives with complete utter rubbish, Peter and the church leadership sought to help them in their newfound faith and walk with God. So you need to ask yourself, the people that are surrounding you, are they trying to complicate your life? Are they trying to complicate the grace of God that God has poured freely, these are are questions that we need to wrestle with so that our walk with God will be smoother in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And we see that James made the suggestion in verse 17, which I'll read in the Passion Translation, and verse 20, which I'll read in the Voice Translation. Verse, I think that should be 17 or 19. Okay, forgive me. So that all of, verse 19... Verse 19 and 20, not 17 and 20. Verse 19 says, So that all of humanity will will be able to encounter the Lord, including the Gentiles whom I have called to be my very own. Like Pastor Nina said, God called us. Tete called the Gentiles a long time ago. And verse 20 says, We should instead write a letter instructing them to abstain from four things first 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 things associated with idol worship second sexual immorality third food killed by strangling and fourth blood my reason for these four exceptions is that in every city there are jewish communities where for generations the laws of moses have been proclaimed and on every sabbath Moses is read in synagogues everywhere. So, we see that James was the voice of wisdom that was used in the assembly. And he reminded the assembly, he said, just in case you don't know, or just in case you have forgotten, it is written that the Gentiles that believe God has called them his very own. They don't need circumcision. They don't need any other form of sacrifice. We don't need any other thing. We, there's no argument. There's nothing else that is needed. Our salvation story is complete. So it's just in case you guys are forgotten, God has called them his very own. And at that point, he said, let's, let me offer you guys a, a, a compromise that would benefit the Gentiles, at the same time, appease the minds of the Judean brethren. Since the Judean brethren were just bent on the law of Moses, the law of Moses. You know, there are people that are just bent on the law, the law, the law, the law, and they forget the grace that Christ has brought. He said, just in case, let's look at these four items, because these four things are things that, if we go back in history, we'll find that the Syrians, the Cilicians, they were idol worshippers. They they didn't believe in Christ. They believed in something, and that something was not Christ. So, they were idol worshippers. They worshipped all sorts of gods. The goddess, the sun goddess, the... um, Wait, so I did that research. people should give me a minute. Um, The storm god. I didn't know that the storm had God, too. They worshipped all sorts of idols, you know. So, The focus should have been on what will help them in their newfound faith. They should have been very elated and congratulated them that congratulations, you guys are now born again. No, they were looking for what to add to it. And you know, these people, they were idolaters before and they are wondering, should we just go back (laughs) and be doing what we were doing before? Because these people, they want us to mutilate ourselves and be in pain for God knows how long. But James said no. He nailed it with four points. First, abstain from the things associated with idol worship. So all those sun goddesses and all those things, maybe you still have little, little um, um, tokens of these things in your homes. Abstain from it means throw them away, just discard, don't let it be around you anymore. Second, sexual immorality abstain from it because during the course of all this idol worshiping, they do strange things. Then food killed by strangling and the fourth blood because the Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood and that's why you see a lot of times people are doing sacrifices that involve blood, human blood, animal blood depending on the level and that's why Jesus Christ came and said, I am the complete sacrifice. No more are you going to kill any more cows or bulls or goats I am the complete sacrifice and his blood avails for us today and will continue to avail for us forevermore in the mighty name of Jesus amen and guess what at God's favorite house we have given it six over six if you know six over six let me see your hand up oh yes six over six very very simple what is six over six there you have it on the screen counseling what is your next step What is your next step after giving your life to Jesus? Maybe you need counseling. Come to the church office. Sign up. We have have counseling that is discreet. We are not about to start announcing all your problems to the world. We don't have time for that. We just want you to have a better walk with Christ. New creation reality. Is your walk with Jesus up today and down tomorrow? Join new creation reality. And you can hear from God. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baptism. Water baptism by full immersion. Holy Spirit baptism. Are you serving yet in any of the departments? You should be if you're not. Life group. We're a church of small groups. It may appear that the church is very big, but we're actually a church of small groups. And these small groups are called the life groups. And these life group centers... Uh, just find one that is close to you because the life group pastor opens up their homes and you see this smaller group of people where you can do life with them. They pray and miracles happen. Miracles happen at the life group centers. Hallelujah. And we celebrate these miracles, Lord. We are grateful for them. The journey. Join the journey classes. What is the journey? The journey will avail you of, it will tell you more about who we are what we do, and what God has called us to do. It's time for you to start the trips in the journey. And that's who we are. God's favorite house. Six over six. Where are you in your walk with Christ today? Just check those six things and tick them off one by one. And then, of course, remember, found people, find people. And we keep on inviting people to come and hear more about the salvation of Jesus. And the, part five is the Gentiles' reaction. When they read it, the people rejoiced at the consolation and encouragement. Who will not rejoice? And I'm sure they probably sang, Thank you for fighting my battles for me. Jehovah, Thank you for not giving me to the wishes of my enemies so thank you for fighting my battles for me Jehovah Olubeja. when the enemies came like a flood Jehovah you raised the standard against them thank you
1: for fighting
0: my battles for me hallelujah and god will continue to fight our battles in the mighty name of jesus amen okay praise god sorry i'm smiling because i'm out of time and i have another part the second missionary journey pastor debbie do i have a few more minutes The fight between Paul and Barnabas. And of course, after these Gentiles won their victory, Paul and Barnabas, I want to go. Barnabas says, oh, John Mark. You remember John Mark now? Do we all remember John Mark? Uh John Mark, Acts 12, 25. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they returned, taking John Mark with them. Acts 13, 4 5. Paul's first missionary journey. John Mark was taken with them as their assistant. But in Acts 13, 9 to 12, by Jesus, Elimas the sorcerer, Paul commanded him to go blind. Immediately he went blind. Please, John Mark, small boy, saw this thing happen before him. Abba, this this Paul, this Paul, this Paul, before I go and do something now, Paul will say, I command you to go crippled. (laughs) He said, Let me probably let me just speak to my legs now and shift. But but Paul was upset. With that decision, because he felt, oh, there's so much more that we need to do. However, Paul felt, you should have stayed with us. You should have stayed with us. If you quit, then if we take you, if we if we decide to take you again, you may quit again. And I don't want any kisser. I want a cleaver. You know it, Abby. I don't want any kisser. I want a cleaver. However. Thank God for Barnabas. Let's say thank God for Barnabas. Barnabas. Barnabas saw beyond that and felt that John Mark should be given a second chance. He saw beyond that and he felt that John Mark should be given a second chance. And guess what? Who was this John Mark? Cousin to Barnabas. His mom was Mary in whose home you know, the believers had gathered to pray for Peter when Herod had imprisoned him. You can see the full account in Acts chapter 12. And, you know, it will appear that his family made significant impact in the propagation of the gospel. Praise God. Hallelujah. So John Mark, who was this John Mark? Although he wasn't a direct disciple of Jesus, but he was a follower of Christ. And from all accounts, it appears that he wrote the book of Mark. And Matthew and Luke independently used Mark for their narrative as well because there are a lot of similarities in their stories. And of course, Mark had to come, find a way to fit himself into the story. If you look at Mark 14, 50 to 52, when Jesus was seized, then all the disciples deserted him and ran away. One young man following behind was clothed only in a long linen shirt when the mob tried to grab him. When the mob tried to grab him, he slipped out of his shirt and ran away naked. Only Mark recounted this so that you people can know that I've been following this Jesus. So, But you know, history says that at that time he was probably a teenager, a very young boy, but he was following him closely. Now, Barnabas, of course, would probably have been privy to this because John Mark was his cousin. So question, why did Barnabas believe so strongly in John Mark? Was it because they were cousins? Or was it that he just believed that there's a calling upon his life, just like he believed there was a calling upon the life of Saul, now Paul? This man called Barnabas. We all need a Barnabas around us. But above all, you should be a Barnabas to someone else around you. And God will empower and inspire us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So when Paul said, "Uh -uh, I'm not doing anything else with John Mark, Barnabas took him away. But later on, we see in Philemon chapter 1, verse 24. And from Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. This is Paul writing, though. Suddenly, Mark is his fellow worker. 2 Timothy 4, "Look Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. For he is very helpful to me for the ministry. So Mark had matured enough. And now Paul could see the value. I'm praying that God will continue to mature us and will become more and more valuable to the people around us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. In conclusion, our salvation story is complete. You do not need any other sacrifice to become a child of God. You are a child of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So at this point, we'll welcome... Papi,
1: Hallelujah.
0: Hello, Papa. Hola, papá. Hola. ¿Cómo está?
1: ¿Cómo está? Bien. Bien. Oh. <laughs> okay, see sí, another one.
0: Okay, I know. Dizul okay. <laughs> <one> is expensive. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Well well
1: done. Well done. Thank you,
0: sir.
1: Well done. I mean, good work, good teaching, amazing. Again, happy puppy.
0: (laughs) Thank you, sir. I have only one question, but that question is very deep because I think the most of Chapter 15 borders around it. And would like you to shed more light on the issue of this circumcision, you know, historically, what it represents, should children still be circumcised? I mean, I'm sure there are some parents that have not verbalized it, but they may just be thinking it in their head. This thing, should they really be doing it?
1: As a were like that table shaky. Is very uh, well. Before I answer, you are the one with four boys. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: I <laughs> Should we uh,
1: find out their circumcision status?
0: They are you all know? circumcised.
1: And should we ask you why you would go around to touch off very young? Innocent children <laughs> um. Okay don't worry. let um, me let me ask, <laughs> let me ask the question. Okay so obviously um, today, as a sign of the covenant, circumcision is not a requirement as clearly stated in the letter of the church leaders in Jerusalem to to um, the believers in Antioch that were being challenged. So um, um, however, that is if someone is an adult, they don't need to be circumcised to be accepted in the covenant, the new covenant. In fact, the new covenant is, is, is a, is requires a circumcision of the heart, not of the flesh, of the spirit of the heart. And that would mean a contriteness before God, the, the brokenness that, that circumcision takes away the false skin. And, and and that represents in, in for with the heart, I mean the heart of stone, um and and the self-willed nature of man and replacing it with a heart that is submitted to God and to God's ways. So the requirement in the new covenant is circumcision of the heart, not of the um um manhood, you know. I'm sure this has to be Um, (laughs) PG-18 before we proceed. However, um, however, um, from a scientific standpoint, um, a circumcised manhood has certain benefits over the uncircumcised manhood. And, you know, so, so the things that just take, like eating of pork, for instance, you know, how God would say to his people in the old covenant not to eat pork, you know, and all that because there are other nutritional nutritious things that they could be eating because once your stomach just has a um, finite amount of capacity, so fill it with good things that are able to move the bowels quickly and your, your metabolism is high and you're healthy. So God would rather his people be like that. But eating pork is not a sin to us, but it has been scientifically proven that it takes four to eight hours for pork to digest, you know? So the thing just clogs the whole, you know, machinery, you know? So the question is that, do you want to be filling your system with things that are not mobile? I mean, um digestively and we not we will decelerate your metabolism you know therefore you are going to be storing up fat in different areas you're you're going to be and all the things that follows i mean without getting into that so you will see the wisdom of god in it even though it is not a sin to us you will see the wisdom of god in it so while adults and not required to be circumcised to be a part of the covenant. There's a lot of value in a male being circumcised from the um um hygiene of the of the of the something, you know, of the, <laughs> the manhood, to you know, to the of course the hygiene that covers the cleanliness, the the the, the ability of the uncircumcised manhood to trap death. And you know, and of course, all sorts of um, ut- urinary infections, you know, and and can possibly happen to the contours circumcision creates that makes it more pleasurable to the madame of the house when it's at time for sausage. So, <laughs> so the uncircumcised just uncontoured. So, and many, many, many other benefits of a circumcised manhood. So that is why I'm sure um, your wise husband said you should circumcise your boys and being a submissive wife, you agreed and they were circumcised.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. Yes, let's put our hands together for Papi. Deep wisdom right there. I need not say any more. Debbie, do we have questions? Okay. Good evening, Ma. Good evening, Papi. Okay, so we we have um, two questions so far. The first question says, beyond John Mark's calling, what else did Barnabas see? Um, Well, I think beyond John Mark's calling, what else did Barnabas see? It's like asking beyond Paul's calling what else did Barnabas see? He saw the calling. And the calling, I think, was the most important thing in all. The calling. Barnabas was a, a type of, for lack of a better word, a type of the Holy Spirit. A type, you know, a, a person that was so in tune with God that he knew that this person, there's a calling upon his life. And that's why, even though Paul, by all measure, should have been discarded, by all measure, with the amount of persecution that and the harassment that he gave the believers. But Barnabas saw beyond that the same thing he saw in John Mark. So I think that we, um, the importance of the calling um, needs to be bigger than what is being presented here. I don't know if Papi wants to add to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, Barnabas saw the the calling. He saw the person. He saw the kingdom. I mean, that will benefit. He saw God's plan for John Mark, and he he believed that someone's mistake should not determine their destiny. Someone's missteps should not determine their destiny. Um, God's heart and God's plans should determine how we, we treat people ultimately. So that's probably what I would add.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, sir. Debbie. Okay. Thank you, sir. The second question says, what can leaders learn from Paul's conclusion on John Mark? What happened to second chances and forgiveness in the body?
1: Yeah, go
0: ahead. Take a stab. Okay, sir. Thank you, sir. Um, What can leaders learn? What happens to second chances? I think that, number one, leaders can learn to be more patient because Paul, um, by all indication, was not a very patient person because along the line, even the Silas he went with, he still fought with him, I think, and other people that he worked with. So leaders can learn to be Patient um, leaders can learn to actually be like Barnabas, Lord, what is your calling upon this person's life? I know that this person is not um, where they should be right now, but I need to know who they are, who are they supposed to be what is in the in this in the when we look at the gospel when we look at the walk of Christ on earth. Where does this person fit in? I think that that would greatly um, um, help leaders if they're more patient and actually take time to seek God concerning people. What was the second half of the question, please? What happened to second chances and forgiveness in the body? Okay. happens to second chances and forgiveness in the body praise god hallelujah i'll hand that over to papi
1: okay so i mean um well done i mean i would add anything to be you know while leaders need to be um patient and and with with people we are Um, beneficiaries of these stories so that we should not be either Paul or Barnabas. We have natural propensities to be either Paul or Barnabas. But this story does not show us that, oh, yes, you are Paul. You don't care about people. Just do what you want to do. Or you are Barnabas. Okay, just level up on people and they just keep giving you crap you know this story shows us the benefit of the two styles of leadership to the body so a wise leader would try while you have your bent as a leader a wise leader would accommodate the learnings from his deficiency for instance I know what my bent is as a leader. And it is not even, I mean, yeah, balance is a good word, but leaders should not even try to seek for balance. We should, I've, I've taught on that before because, you know, um, and I don't even want to go into that. So we should, I know my bent as a leader. You could uh, say that, it's more like, uh, I don't know, which one do you think I have. my bent is uh, like a pole or like a balance?
0: I think that there's a balance. I think that you have a balance um, between the two, really, because you have a focus on the work and you love people.
1: Absolutely. So so the 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 truth is that I learned to, to embrace the parts that I am not naturally bent towards. So from a natural bent, you could say. There's the poor side of me. From a, a, a growth and developmental side, I've developed the Barnabas side of me to really, you know, engage people and love people and give them their tenth chance, you know, not just a second chance in some cases, you know. I, so, <laughs> so what what I'm saying basically. Is that without the pause, the kingdom will not advance. Without a razor-sharp focus on the mission, the kingdom, if 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 everybody is balanced, cleaning poops here and there, the kingdom is not going to advance. Someone needs to put the kingdom first, beyond any personal preference, you know, and that is what Paul delivers. In fact, that is why today if you say the, the most productive apostle in recorded history, at least the first century apostles is Paul by any standard. And if he were sentimental, it will, will never achieve it. He will never achieve it. On the other hand, a big lesson from Paul here is that it is not personal. It is not, there is no beef. There is no, he has nothing against John Mark. It just John Mark was just not fit for the for the for the role. When John Mark developed and was useful, there's no shame in it. There's no shame in saying, ah, bring that guy, is now useful. You see, if it is about ego, hallelujah. If it is, if it is about ego, if that decision was ego-driven. It will struggle to ask for your mark True. back because his ego will be in the way that, oh, so after all, am I now going to now you know um, eat my words? It's not your words. It's not your work. It's not your kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. Bam. So you cannot afford to be sentimental. Mm-hmm. So someone is not fit today. If tomorrow this person is fit, the person is useful. We move. There, we move. There is no party for jungle. <laughs> 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 it is It is what it is. So what happened in the case of John Mark was a clear example that Paul bore, bore no grudges. Mm. It's all about the kingdom and it's all about the glory of God. Absolutely. Now, if there were no Barnabas to take a John Mark and Disciple him and um, nurture him, it will not be useful to Paul down the road. Sure. So you see where the two are practically indispensable in, 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 in that case. So, yes, the Barnabas and the Pauls are so, so crucial. We can embody the two and learn from both of them.
0: Absolutely. Let's put our hands together for Jesus. That is just a that is, that is spot on. We can learn and embody both parts. One more question. Okay. Yes, please. Um, so question three says, was the Holy Spirit leading Paul? Sorry. Is a follow up to question one, which is beyond John Mark's calling, what else did Barnabas see? So the person says now, was the Holy Spirit leading Paul? to disagree with Barnabas, or was it a predestined event? That question is for the Holy Spirit, but my own perspective, you know, like what Papi has said. (laughs) Paul was focused on the mission at that time, and the mission was, let us go back to the places where we have been to, And follow up on them. Now, recall that John Mark had left them. So, Barnabas calling John Mark into the equation again wasn't very comfortable for Paul. Was he being led by the Holy Spirit? I think that what God had placed in his hands to do was to go back with Barnabas and focus on the mission. What Barnabas was, what was placed in Barnabas's heart was John Mark has a great future and a destiny, you need to groom him. Over to you, Papi.
1: Yes, I mean, so, which is why um, leaders need to communicate, you know, Um, because Paul went one way Barnabas went the other way, who was being led by the Holy Spirit, <laughs> you know, and um, and um, so for I would say both, you know, I would say both, you know. However, um, it didn't have to lead to dissension. So, which is where communication and is is comes in, because at the end of the day. Because even though both of them, um, you could say, went different ways, right? They didn't have to, but they did. But because they were both consistently submitted to the Holy Spirit, it brought everything back to harmony. And that's, that's the important thing here.
0: Absolutely. Everything still came back to harmony. So everyone was focused on what God had spoken to their hearts. We still have a question. Okay. Yes, ma'am. One uh, more question. It says, what about in scenarios where the person never becomes fit, no matter how much Barnabas does? What happens then? Would Barnabas not have wasted valuable kingdom time instead of focusing on the work? Well, based on what we see about Barnabas, There's no one that Barnabas wasted valuable kingdom time on because Barnabas picked up people that, in quotes, had no apparent use for the kingdom. But God had spoken to his heart. So I don't think that there is anybody that um, um, resources... wasted on everyone just has his own calling and his own timing now we may be sometimes we're impatient and we cannot wait for that person to mature quickly mature quickly mature quickly mature quickly and there are times where indeed you keep pouring into the person and it's taking the person a longer time in quotes, to actually absorb this knowledge. Does this happen? Of course it happens because we're all human beings and we make choices of who we want to be and what we want to absorb in life. So in in terms of Barnabas being led by the Spirit, I don't think that Barnabas did anything out of, oh, I just love this person. Remember that Paul didn't really have any relationship with Paul. Even though John Mark was his cousin, he had a relationship with John Mark, but he really didn't have any relationship directly with Paul. But he felt that God is calling him to sort out Paul. I don't know if Papi wants to add to that.
1: Yes, I mean, you're right. So there's literally from a principle standpoint, there's really no waste in the kingdom when it comes to People when it comes to souls, there's there's really no waste in the kingdom. However, I understand what the person is saying, you know, that what if but um John Mark didn't turn out right? Even God poured these resources on us, and not all of us turn is going to turn out right. No every human being, you know, is going to accept Jesus for starters, even people that accept Jesus, not. Everybody, you know, look at Judas, for instance. Not everybody would, you know, make it to the end. Will people, will have people that will, because of their love for money, or love for their own agenda, you know, um, um, be derailed. So, but the the, the question is, is that a wasted resource? And and I think not, I I don't think it is. Because as a pastor, I mean, you, you. You've passed out for seventeen years. I mean, now close to twenty two decades. Look, closer to two decades than one. You know, you would you would think about your life and think back, and you remember people that you would think, ah, this one is a waste of my time and <laughs> you know, <laughs> my resources. You know, you know. But hey, you know, it, it, as you've done what God would have you do, you know, that is that is sufficient you know that's that's sufficient i mean it's not a waste you know i mean so yes in that regard people um, that do not are not do not end up to be profitable for the kingdom you know mm-hmm. i would say they are still not a waste the same way that god keeps pouring his resources even his rain it mm-hmm. pours rain on the good and on the bad mm-hmm. you know it's not a waste you know so that you know at the time, end of time, nobody would say to God, "I wasn't given a chance." True. Nobody can say to God, True. "You know, um, oh, I didn't get my chance." Everybody mm-hmm. will get their own chance, and everybody mm-hmm. will get a chance. Mm-hmm. What if God just uses you to give the person a chance? Absolutely. You know, and so it's up to the person to waste it, or that's not on you. Mm-hmm. So that's it's not on barabbas mm-hmm. it's on the person.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, spot on. It's on the person. God always continues to pour resources upon us. And as He pours upon us, we pour on others. That's our own job. And God, the Holy Spirit, will do the rest. We have a question in the auditorium. Please go ahead.
2: Good evening, Papi. Good evening, everyone. Um, I have a question. Um, I was reading something this morning, and it said, it was a, a devotional I was reading, and it said, um, a statement came out and said, the church should stop arguing and give people hope. It struck me this morning, and when we were reading this, I noticed that the beginning of the passage started with the disagreement, like an argument, and at the end, there was also a sharp disagreement. Now, you could look at it that these disagreements resulted in some positive things, right? But I then, the question that comes to my mind is, we kind of always want to help people say agree. You know, we should not. We should communicate with ourselves and not disagree. But what comes to my mind, and I'm asking, is sometimes it's not good to disagree because. And I, this is just a question to: Is it not good to disagree sometimes to get progress? Because I feel in this passage, the fact that Paul and Silas disagreed one got John Mark to become a better person, if they had agreed, for instance, Barnabas just decided to go with Paul, John Mark would have been lost in that process, quote-unquote. And then also, they parted and went to separate ways, and prob- probably they were able to achieve more than if they went together. So the question now is, should we always agree?
0: Okay, that's your question, right? Yes. Should we always agree? Mm.
2: When it comes to this kind of... Some deep matters like this. One person feels very strongly in this. And the other person feels... And we say, okay, communicate with one another. Sometimes I'm thinking disagreement might even bring progress.
0: Okay. Just a thought. (laughs) Just a thought. Thank you so much for sharing that thought. I think that... um, Disagreement, it all depends on what it is that you're disagreeing on. And, you know, like we have shared earlier, everyone has got what God has put in their hearts to do. If we look at this passage that we studied today, the initial disagreement was with the circumcision people. And Paul and Barnabas disagreed. They disagreed and they had to take the matter to the elders. So I think that in disagreeing with um, the person you're having a conversation with, it is wisdom to call in an elder to come and create a balance. Because that is what Paul and Barnabas had to do. In terms of John Mark, if you look at um, Barnabas as a person, he went to meet Paul, then Saul. Even when nobody sent him. People, when Saul first came out, people were afraid of him and it was Barnabas that took him away. Then Barnabas still went back again. So at that point, I I believe that Barnabas was not in agreement with the other members of the church. But because this is what God had placed in his heart to do. So I think it all depends on what the context of that disagreement is is and if it is going to cause people to part ways and then everyone is following that which god has called them to do because we serve a god who knows the end from the beginning and as papi has said god knew he was still going to bring everything together so he allowed them go their separate ways because he's god all by himself he could have created unity in their language at that particular instance. But no, he knew that John Mark had a purpose, and Paul had a purpose, and there was just that time that was needed for John Mark to be groomed, which Paul did not see because Paul was focused on, this is what God has said we should do. Praise God. Hallelujah. I don't know if Papi wants to add to that.
1: Yes, I mean, so, there's um, nothing wrong with disagreement, you know. Um, <clears throat> I think it'd the the progress we've we've had in life as, as a race, as humans, is based on someone disagreeing with the status quo, disagreeing with how things are done. What I'm saying and what, what is consistent with the teaching of the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, is that disagreement does not have to lead to dissension. God is not the author of confusion. Disagreement does not have to lead to confusion. That is where communication is advised. In the case, in the first case that Pastor Muralake mentioned, that is why there is um, a hierarchy in the body of Christ. You can escalate a point of disagreement to the elders, and whatever they say, you abide by it. So it, it will not lead to chaos. Imagine... They got to the to Jerusalem and the elders say, do as you please. The Greek will carry some able-bodied men and, and, and begin to circumcise them. <laughs> you know. so that's on one hand. On the other hand, when it comes to matters like this, like that preferential, which would not necessarily escalate to elders like John Mark and all that stuff. The truth remains that. It does not have to lead to a sharp pattern of ways, as, this, as, as the Bible describes it. You know, if they were mature enough, they weren't, both of them weren't, if they were mature enough, it's possible that Paul and Barnabas would see that, look, this guy is not ready for this trip, but we are not going to trim him under the bus. You go and attend to him, set up, a school ncr nuclear reality where the types of mark can be attended and when they finish let them go through the journey when they are ready they then we'll send them to dallas we we'll send them to costa rica we we'll send them to south, uh, south africa we we'll send them to japan we can now send them out it can actually birth a structure in the church or in this system in the relationship that we actually produce stronger leaders. So, disagreement, nothing wrong with disagreement at all, but dissension, everything wrong with it. Confusion, everything wrong with it. Pandemonium, everything wrong with it. So, can people disagree? Absolutely, but should it lead to dissension, pandemonium, confusion? Absolutely not those are not the works of the spirit. They are not the fruit of the spirit. They are the works of the flesh. It has nothing to do with God. Maybe I'll wrap it up with this. Our magazine in God's family house, you know, I'm sure if I ask Pastor Monica, what's our magazine? She would just tell us. But since I'm the one speaking, let me uh, say what our magazine is in God's favorite house. Our magazine is that, In the essentials, we have unity. In the non-essentials, we have liberty. In all things, we show love. In the essentials, we have unity. What is this matter of disagreement? Is it an essential? Then we must have unity. We have to escalate it to leaders, to the elders. Then the elders of the church will consult scripture consult the Holy Spirit, reach an agreement and take a position. Then the whole church will unify around that. It's not up for debate. We have unity. Is it a non-essential? Should John Mark go on this missionary trip or not? Is it non-essential? I mean, if he doesn't go, the church will continue. If he goes, the church will continue. It's non-essential. We should have liberty. We should have liberty. We should be able to understand each other and not judge each other. Oh, uh, one pastor is is, is wearing long kaba uh, uh, to minister that is sweeping the floor. The other one is wearing sketch suits, coming straight from the office to, oh, she should go and change to kaba. You know, I mean, come on. You know, it is, it is, we shouldn't fight over that. We can disagree. It's okay. You can have your own views. There are people in church Someone has come to church joined the choir, and she came to me and says that she wants everybody in the choir to be covering their air because she covers her, her own air, and the church is coming for the cover their air. I said, My sister, I said, if you came here and we judged you because you were covering your air and we didn't give you a chance to join the choir, how would you feel? She now kept quiet, saying she will feel bad. I said, We saw that you were covering your head like SU from the time you joined, nobody judged you. You applied for the choir, nobody said, nobody even told you to stop covering your hair. Then you come into the choir, then you are insisting that everybody you met there should be covering their hair. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, as uh the works of the flesh. It may sound pious, but it's the work of the flesh. And if you allow, if you allow it as a church, we lead to confusion. So everywhere you see confusion, pandemonium, the Holy Spirit is not there. In fact, the pandemonium, the word pandemonium, pandi is aggregation or the confluence, demonium of demons. So the, the word pandemonium comes from the, the confluence of demons. So everywhere you see pandemonium is, is demonic, it's not, it's not God. So if so people claim their right to be different or to disagree by creating pandemonium. it is the work of the flesh fueled by demon spirit you can disagree but it doesn't have to lead to pandemonium it doesn't have to lead to dissension I hope that helps
0: yes sir absolutely no dissension no pandemonium we are children of God we carry the Holy Spirit amen praise God hallelujah okay we don't have any more questions Papi is there any other thing you would like to add sir
1: yeah, well, nothing just to say well done, um, Pastor Morake. Let's put our hands together for Pastor Morake for sir. the amazing, amazing teaching and coordination of the session.
0: Thank you, sir. Thank you, everyone. Um, so we can go on, sir. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, if you're here and you've been hearing about this salvation, this salvation, it's free for all. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, you're here and you want to commit your life to this Jesus. This Jesus that we celebrate. This Jesus that has given us so much grace. With a show of hands, just put your hands up. And if you're online, just signify online and the online pastors will reach out to you while we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to thank you for everyone who is committing or recommitting their lives to you. Lord, we ask that your spirit will rest upon them in the mighty name of Jesus. Every pandemonium, every dissension, every work of the flesh, Lord, we come against it in the name of Jesus. And we ask, Lord, that they begin to walk aright in your presence. To the praise and glory of your holy name, in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. At this time, we'll be taking our fights and our offerings and our governors of wealth seed. If you'd like to do a transfer, the transfer description is on the screen, and I'm sure it's been posted on um, whatever channel that you're joining us on. If you'd like to use the POS, it's on my left, your right, at the back of the auditorium. If you'd like to pay your tithes and your governance of wealth, said, could you please rise to your feet and lift it up to God as we pray? Okay, for the sake of those online that may want to pray, I will take this prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for everyone who is paying their tithes and their governors of wealth. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you will rebuke the devourers in the mighty name of Jesus. And for everyone who is paying their... Governors of the world, seed, Lord, we ask that you will indeed assign territories and make them governors of nations in the mighty name of Jesus. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. The rest of us, let's kindly rise to our feet as we give. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with we. That we just want to say thank you thank you for the seed that have been brought before you Lord we ask Lord that you bless every giver in the mighty name of Jesus where this seed has come from will never run dry in the mighty name of Jesus Lord we pray that this seed will be multiplied and will be used for the expansion of your kingdom here on earth to the praise and glory of your holy name thank you father in Jesus mighty name we have prayed amen God bless you may please be seated over to you papi
2: righty.
1: Okay. Again, thank you, uh, Pastor Muralake. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for Thrive today. Those online and those in the auditorium that are, you know, uh, are more privileged than the rest of us online. <laughs> um, God bless you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So, Father, we we thank you. We we give you praise, we give you glory in the name of Jesus. As we go, we ask that your presence will go with us.
0: Amen. Lord, the
1: words of the word will take root and bear fruit in our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Amen. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. And so it is and shall be. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed.
0: Amen.
1: Amen. So God's favorite house, who are we?
0: We are limitless all the way.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. dede bahando the keys of a haza